0: For many years it's been clear that the detention facility at Guantanamo Bay does not advance our national security. It undermines it. This is not just my opinion. This is the opinion of experts. This is the opinion of many in our military. This morning I watched President Obama talking about Gitmo, right? Guantanamo Bay,
1: which by the way, which by the way, we are keeping open. Which we are keeping open. counterproductive
0: to our fight against terrorists because they use it as propaganda in their efforts to recruit.
1: And we're going to load it up with some bad dudes, believe me. We're going to load it up.
0: It drains military resources with nearly $450 million spent last year alone to keep it running. And more than $200 million in additional costs needed to keep it open going forward for less than a hundred detainees. But here's the thing I didn't understand. I heard this, but I didn't understand it. We spend $40 million a month on maintaining this place. Now think of it. $40 million a month. I think we have, what do we have left in there? Like hundred people or something. So we're spending $40 million. I would guarantee you that I could do it for a tiny, tiny, I don't mean like thirty-nine. I mean like maybe five, maybe three, maybe like peanuts. Maybe in our deal with Cuba, we get them to take it over and take our, and, and reimburse us because we're proper because we're probably paying rent. Guantanamo harms our partnerships with allies and other countries whose cooperation we need against terrorism. When I talk to other world leaders, they bring up the fact that Guantanamo's not resolved.
1: 2100
0: well I can't tell you at the time I can't tell you this time no. yeah man Yeah. I can't tell you
1: about the future the future. To 2100.
0: One of the primary reasons why I make 2100 is to plead the case for this time period to the people of the future. Essentially, I'm trying to explain the unexplainable or at least leave context for the people who are no longer here. History often gets a bad rep, and even hindsight isn't exactly 2020. Conjecture, marketing, and mythology taints the worldview of each and every person alive, and one day our stories too will be co-opted and used to symbolize something we don't even know about. Unfortunately, today we don't exactly have to worry about conjecture or mythology. Our topic for this episode is Guantanamo Bay. And I'll tell you what, listeners of the past, present, and future, I'm not super passionate about Guantanamo Bay. It'd be disingenuous for me to portray the detention center at Gitmo as something that has been on my mind actively throughout my entire life or that I've really like like immersed myself in fully. During the information age, we've seen a huge boost to viral charities, ways to campaign and signal that we care about different causes. Libstrong bracelets, never forget 9-11, blue lives matter, turn your Facebook profile picture red, white, and blue for the latest tragedy, whether it be a terrorist attack in France or a school shooting here in America. Gitmo and issues regarding Iraq, Iran, Afghanistan, and the general Middle East tend to not even qualify for the Facebook profile picture change, or a hashtag, because the American populace is desensitized to issues involving the Middle East. Admittedly, it's hard to remember and keep up with every cause, headline, and news story that's out there. You already have to keep track of your job, social and love life, appearance, mental health, and finances. Now there's this world of terrorism, cancers, corruption, and rapidly changing technology at the tip of your finger. And by the way, rent's due you're unemployed the stock market's crashing and there's a pandemic so stay in your house if you try hard enough you can pick a few causes that you can digest and you do what you can if you have the resources or you just completely disengage and most of the people in my life don't even have the time for a hobby let alone to keep track of congressional voting records and to understand the nuances behind Guantanamo Bay. My relationship with the prison at Guantanamo Bay is the same as everyone else's. I know what the media has told me and for the most part that's all I'll ever know regardless of what happens there. To most people in the United States Guantanamo Bay is just a prison where some f***ed up shit happens distant from our daily lives. It's a situation in which I am seemingly powerless and has nothing to do with me. So what's the use in getting myself upset about something new? In my humble opinion, this happens because Gitmo is talked about in very hushed tones. The media reporting on Guantanamo rarely makes it to the mainstream. The prison has a strict hold on the information allowed to flow out of the prison, and the popular narrative of the prison being a necessary evil has kind of prevailed. For Americans, the government and media outlets, Guantanamo Bay is hard to talk about because the question, what is Guantanamo Bay, cannot be answered without admitting that the United States is actively violating the Geneva Convention. Guantanamo Bay is the prison built for terrorists, specifically the 9-11 terrorists, to which my first response was always, didn't the 9-11 terrorists die on the plane? But what do I know? Guantanamo Bay is the reason why the American public knows what waterboarding is, and it's a topic that must be talked about delicately. My guest this week for this jazz-themed Guantanamo Bay episode is a journalist, on-air talent, and producer of my favorite podcast, Radio Lab. His name is Latif Nasser. He spent the last three years covering a fascinating story about Guantanamo Bay and has actually been to the prison at Guantanamo Bay. Rather than reading off facts about Guantanamo Bay, I will allow my conversation with Latif to delicately set the tone for this episode. And then after the interview, we'll circle
1: back. That Train, That Charlie Barker. That Charles Mingus, That Frank Sinatra. Talking all that jazz. Talking all that jazz.
0: That Coltrane, That Charlie Parker.
1: That Charles Mingus. Frank Sinatra. Talking all that jazz. Talking all that jazz.
0: You recently went on a long journey uh, over the course of three years to, uh, I guess, uncover something or meet someone. I don't want to give too much away. But what countries over the last three years have you had to go to in pursuit of this story?
1: Yeah, I well, so for this particular story, the, the it's almost like one and a half countries that I went to uh, were, uh, so I went to Morocco and I went to cuba-ish uh but then i i, I also I, I actually i wanted very desperately to go there were two other countries that we i i reported a lot about uh but i, I you didn't get to go to, to sudan i didn't get to go to because it was in the middle of a of a revolution um that'll happen so, yeah and then and uh sudan and then afghanistan as well um oh, okay. so i went to uh yeah, uh, and that's kind of the the series is sort of roughly um, uh, each episode is sort of devoted to one of those countries.
0: Okay, so uh, you said you said Cuba ish, which is already leading me into the bizarre nature of what we're going to talk <laughs> about. Um, yeah. So, what exactly over the last the course of the last three years, what have you been uh, doing? And feel free to mention your name in in the process.
1: Sure 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 so this all this all started so so my name is latif Nasser i'm a uh producer for the public radio show radio lab and uh about three years ago i was just noodling around on twitter and i saw a tweet uh, that that was about me uh that was about latif Nasser that was about me uh and but it didn't make any sense it was a tweet at the president of the united states to sort of uh, uh it, it was this plea this open letter to to help me uh to the president of the united states and i was like that does not make any sense <laughs> i don't even know who's tweeting this this doesn't make any sense at all um i quickly realized that it was about lefty faster but it was not about me It was about a different guy with my same name um
0: and and for and i feel like it might be worth noting uh your name is relatively rare
1: yeah, my name is pretty rare. My, my, I've never met anybody with my name before. And so I, that's why it, like, really bumped me uh, because I didn't, I didn't, yeah, I, I had no reason to believe there was anyone <laughs> with my name. And then, uh, and then, and then there, here's someone tweeting about me, but in the kind of strangest way. Uh, I quickly learned that it, it, it right, as I said, it, w- it wasn't about me. It was about a different guy who had my same name and that this different guy was detainee 244 at guantanamo
0: bay <laughs> I, I i don't even know how you and and one of the reasons why this uh, whole premise stuck in my craw uh before because oftentimes i'll have an idea and then i'll listen to like radio lab or this american life and i'll be like same idea god damn it uh and, or like i'll read a book and it'll be the same premise as something i wrote but my name is jason peters and i for the last year and a half, I've been trying to uh, track down this other Jason Peters. It's a very My oh, really? name is very popular. However, um, I'm from Philadelphia. The uh, longest tenured player on the Philadelphia Eagles and their best player, his name is Jason Peters. Ah, oh, pretty good. And it makes it infuriating in my day-to-day life. But it's a similar, similar uh, idea, except yours is far more interesting. So take me through the basics of even finding out Anything about someone who lives in Guantanamo Bay, and, and actually, before we hit that, for some of the listeners at home or to the people of the year two thousand one hundred listening to this, what is Guantanamo Bay? Right. So,
1: uh, so Guantanamo Bay is uh, at least at this at this very moment, and probably for the last two decades. This this. I think it's fair to say this is the most notorious prison in the world. It is uh, perhaps also the most secure prison in the world. It's kind of the place where after the uh, the attacks on the United States during 9-11, uh, that's where um, right after this kind of the, the worst attack in, in American history, um, basically after Pearl Harbor, um, the the United States went to war in afghanistan and they rounded up everybody who they thought could possibly have been even remotely connected to 9-11 uh and they threw them in this place in this prison that is in and they purposefully picked this spot this base that they had off of uh uh cuba because it was this place that they perceived was not under american law but also not under international law so and how does, how does that work
0: how does that because that's one of the most baffling things uh a yeah. what it, where, who owns so we own guantanamo bay like the the area where the prison is correct
1: Right, so own is a, of kind of a funny question, but yeah, it, it's like a, so. So the the land, it's Cuban land, but it's been leased to the United States indefinitely, uh, and in order to kind of dissolve <sighs> that, at least both sides of the, both the Cubans and the Americans have to agree to kind of dissolve it, and the Cubans very much would like to do that, but the Americans basically for decades have have said nope, we still like it
0: here and one of the most fascinating parts of your series is you talk about um how they built you talk to the man who built guantanamo bay uh yeah and talk to me a bit about about that process of originally building it
1: yeah so he he wasn't the guy who, who built the station but he's the guy who built the prison the the, the very first kind of iteration of the prison and uh and to me, what was uh, interesting about him was that uh, he he didn't even particularly think it was necessarily a good idea. He just got this order to build basically a whole prison in nine. I want to say ninety six hours. Uh, and so he he basically had to scramble on this island where they don't have a lot of i mean it's not a particularly you described uh, it as a
0: swamp or he described it a as swamp. a swamp
1: yeah as a swamp and it's a swamp and 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 like you can't it, materials are pretty hard to come by so he has to build this prison in in just a few days uh, and and basically the 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 prisoners who were being sent there uh from afghanistan um it, it this isn't exactly true but it's 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 almost true that that they were they were basically on the plane on their way on their way over like like they, they weren't they weren't literally but they, they might as well have been, 96 like was,
0: hours is like three days it's like it's it's a yeah, cartoonish exactly. amount of time four it's days a
1: Cartoonish amount of time to make a prison yeah especially
0: the prison the, prison. the yeah. like the only yeah. prison that people talk about we don't talk about yeah. any like uh, yeah. Yeah. the yeah. 9-11 yeah. prison was built in four days yeah,
1: and, and and in a way what's so strange is that that they thought that it would be kind of the it, it all got built as a temporary thing. They didn't think this was going to be this thing that would exist.
0: And for like, listeners at home, what later, year what year is this that they built it? So
1: this is 2000 this is uh late 2001 early 2002. And so they didn't they thought they were building something that would last I don't know, a a year, a couple of years. This is now almost 20 years out and and this still exists. And actually now one of the the sort of strange things is that they these prisoners have gotten so old a lot of them that they're like they're putting in wheelchair ramps and
0: and let's know, talk about the features, nature you know. of the people there um how how did they get there quote unquote and what was the due process that they went through to go there
1: Right. So, so, so the the story was that the, the story was that when the U.S. government picked these guys up, uh, they said they told the American people that these were the worst of the worst. Yeah, I mean, that, that was the, that
0: was great branding. It was like their slogan. And
1: yeah, it was really, really like that. That phrase really, really resonated. And they they basically said look, these are the people who are responsible for 9-11. We got them. We got a bunch of them, and we're taking them here. We're putting them away. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, but what, what we kind of later realized uh, was that, uh, number one, they were not subject to, so there, there are kind of laws and rules for how to treat prisoners of war. Um,
0: yeah, the fact that you have to preempt that with kind of.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. So, 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 <laughs> like, th- there, there are, there is a way to deal with this kind of thing that 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 has been you know uh, codified and 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 is 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 law is international law yeah. um and that's the geneva convention so and part of that is that you give these guys a hearing right close to the battlefield so it turns out a lot of these guys actually didn't come from the battlefield a lot of them were scooped up by and a lot of uh, them had nothing to do with 9-11 and a lot of them had nothing to do with nine eleven. and so 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 and they didn't get those kinds of Battlefield hearings, you know, um, and so they were brought there with basically no review. A lot of times, it was very—it was all mixed up. Like they—they—they they, they barely knew who these people were, who they were even uh, rounding up. One of the guys I talked to, who was uh, one of the, you know, guys who was actually doing those uh, interviews and interrogation kind of kind of thing, he's like, these guys were dirt farmers. Like that was the the phrase they used to describe them. These guys were mm. dirt farmers. They were not. They were not global terrorist masterminds they were basically just somebody who somebody had a grudge against and they wanted to collect the bounty money and they just ran and there's a lot of
0: that there's a lot of people being like sold a lot of selling of people uh just more selling of people than you'd expect like they sell a farmer and then that farmer gets scooped up by the american government next thing you know they're in cuba
1: Yeah, exactly. And 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 part of that was, I mean, a result of the so the American strategy was to uh, to offer up these bounties. They dropped these uh, flyers to say, uh, hey, you know, if there if you have a guy who looks, you know, like basically looks Middle Eastern or you think is is affiliated with Al Qaeda, um, turn him over and we'll. You know, reward you handsomely, uh, and which, which is which is basically what happened in a lot of cases, and including in the case of the guy with my name, um, he got turned over. We we believe for a bounty. Um,
0: and what what was uh, the other Latif accused with?
1: So he was never formally charged with anything.
0: Uh, oh yes, because you don't have to formally charge anyone with anything at Guantanamo. Right, right, so, right
1: exactly. <sighs> right. So just to finish the thought I had before, so, got so they weren't they weren't they weren't given sort of the rights or, or due process that they should have been given under international law, and then they also weren't given due process or rights that they would have been given under American law. Um, so they were kind of in this – the the government carved out this kind of air, gray area where it was like, OK, they're not prisoners of war. They're not prisoners. They're not prisoners of war. They're enemy combatants is the kind of new category that was created oh just for these
0: it, the, it, 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 bo- it bothers me, and it probably bothers you immensely because you've spent years uh, studying this and paying attention to these stories and really getting granular. But even as someone who uh, is just on the outsides learning about this and essentially pretty novice, someone like me, it, yeah. it bothers me. So there's something grotesque about the language thing. That they always yeah. have to switch up the words. It's, we don't yeah. own Guantanamo, it's least. We don't have to follow these rules because they're enemy combatants. It's just right. like the, and it, it, I know I'm pretty much ripping off yeah. a George Carlin bit, but that's what it is. They soften the language, they change the words so yeah. that they can pretty much do what anything they want.
1: Yeah, you know it's it's that's that's entirely true, and I totally uh, agree with you. But here, let me let me argue the contrary to you to see what okay you think about this. So okay, so it is true that there were bad guys there, right? There were guys in that giant. I mean, they got they ended up rounding up something like almost eight hundred people who mm-hmm. uh, were at Guantanamo Bay. The vast majority of them were never charged. Uh, the vast majority of them were released because they uh, had insufficient.
0: Oh my to, god.
1: To charge them so okay so that's that's true and i agree with everything you said so let me let me just channel uh uh then vice president of the united states dick cheney right so this is dick cheney's argument. oh my god you're gonna <laughs> no, well, well no because actually i was i was surprised at the at, at the degree to which that's fine it was like huh this is a this is so let me just try okay so all right so um Here's the argument, right? So the Geneva Conventions are these international laws that were developed for wartime when one country is at war with another country, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's when these enemy soldiers, they're wearing a uniform, right? That belongs to another country, but also more importantly than that, uh, and they're, they're fighting by the rules, right? So like, that means that, that when you are a country fighting another country here, there are some things you just don't do. You don't go into a city and you don't just start killing civilians, right? Uh, left, right and center. You don't do, you don't do like war crimes, right? That's the argument. Um, So so the idea is if – this is Dick Cheney's –
0: I'm here. uh, I'm still here.
1: Um, If (laughs) you have soldiers who fight by the rules of war, they're kind of – it's almost like the benefit that they get out of that is when they get captured, we're going to treat them fairly. But now these guys who did 9-11, which was not by the rules, right? These guys attacked civilians. They killed civilians. Um, So if we get people who are responsible for that, should we still treat them kind of according to the rules? Should we obey the rules if they didn't obey the rules? And is it fair – and this is – he even took took it a step further to say how is it then an incentive to anybody else in the future who's going to fight us to fight by the rules if they know that when we capture them, if they don't fight by the rules, we're still going to fight by the rules.
0: All right, here's my uh armchair rebuttal and I'm only going to give it okay, <laughs> a minute or two. Um Sure. I would I would start by saying uh that it is not my opinion that America always follows the rules. Uh mm-hmm. that we we uh sometimes kill civilians, a lot. We kill lots of civilians. Uh um and we don't follow the rules. Uh, I don't think a lot of countries do follow the rules. I think the thing with um the armed combatants and the changing of the language is just the more of a structural question about the nature of guerrilla warfare and how to, how to, uh, like update the rules of modern warfare. Because we're not, obviously we're not going to line up with muskets and march towards each other with a man playing the flute in the background anymore. That's, that's not the nature of things. It's more, Drone strikes, and this is what what you're talking about. That pro- quote was probably from 2001, 2002, where we were at the peak of overreacting about 9/11, and and uh, uh, ra- really ramping up our Islamophobia as a country. I I, I cannot I, I I I do not um, the the idea of rules of war is something that's always bothered me. Mm -hmm. um so i i I see where the argument is
1: no i'm i i i agree with you i like i to me i think i think i think that's right like if 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 we if we believed that this was a totally new case which i don't know like you could make the case that it wasn't we killed a million
0: iraqis you go back to vietnam and and what we did there we made
1: that case if we made that case then then i i also believe that Okay, then it, it's not that we you throw out the rules altogether. It's that you make a new set of rules, mm-hmm, yeah. Uh, and you you find a new way to uh, you find a, a a new way to kind of meet this this what what felt like at that moment uh, uh, to be an unprecedented existential kind of threat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So that, but then then you you figure out a way to do that um, that feels in keeping with. With the existing rules and with, you know, like, like I think you don't just throw out the whole rule book and say, okay, we're now going to take these guys to a place where no rules.
0: A thing that, that stuck in my – and we're limited on time, so I'm going to move quickly. Sure, sure, sure. Um, so yeah, uh, something that really stuck throughout the series that I listened to was anytime I heard someone speaking of, that was really, really heavily involved with the setup of Guantanamo and the uh, carrying out of setting up these places, it always seemed like they were working from such a place of fear that they could not act rationally. It, it, it seemed like at any point in time you could have grabbed a civilian explain uh, just a random civilian like my mother and explained to them what you were doing and they would have gone uh w- wait what and then then you'd have a conversation but it yeah. seems like in the in the military world they were all so on edge and excited yeah. to avenge this thing that had happened that it's yeah. just fumbling and fumbling and fumbling. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, th- I, think that's, I think that's, to, to some degree, that's true. But, but, and like, I'm older than you. So, and yeah. I, mean, I don't know how, how old you were at 9/11, but the, like child. <laughs> the 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 thing was at that moment, um, right after 9/11, like everyone was, and I, I don't think this is a, to excuse what they, they, a lot of the the real tragic. And
0: you, and I would like to point this out for uh, non-listeners. You were. At the beginning of this recording and during nine eleven, you were not an American citizen. I was not an American, and citizen, you are no. you are Muslim. Or yeah, yes, exactly. Yes, I just yes. think that's important for folks oh, to know. Definitely. It gives you a little more badge of credibility uh, yeah, speaking yeah, on yeah. these matters.
1: No, and 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 I, like it was it was a scary time. It was a scary time because it felt like this was. So it was sort of orders of magnitude bigger. Like there had been things like the coal bombing, the US embassy bombings in uh, Kenya and Tanzania. Um, th- those were scary, but this felt like a whole other order of scary. Mm. Um, and 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 I think especially for the for the folks in the military the fact that the Pentagon got hit the Pentagon you know mm. that's uh that's serious and and I think the the feeling that number one oh my god they 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 hit us they hit us hard you know where we live mm. is one thing. and also the the feeling that we are this is never going to happen again on my watch i think that that feeling was very very strong that said i, I do think and, and it wasn't just the military i think a lot of a lot of average americans even i was in canada at the time even average canadians would have felt that same way and mm. feel like look like this is this is this like we need to we need to hit back hard or we need to like there's no there's no time for precious civil liberties and all these other things like we need to we need to and there were certain critics uh oh,
0: but you can't be america and saying saying that you can't
1: I, I know, i'm a big
0: I practice know, with I your know. preach guy i'm a big pra- and so so the american government uh, makes me so angry sometimes
1: i agree i agree i, I i'm in the same position where, where I, I think a lot of these decisions we made were were really really missteps but it is it it's it sort of it's it's uh it's it's easier to do it in hindsight you know what i mean
0: all right, I could ask you a million other questions, but we got about five minutes. Um, okay,
1: yeah, yeah,
0: Sorry. Last question, uh, nah, depending on how long it takes you to answer. Will Guantanamo yeah. Bay be open in the year
1: 2100? Yeah, that's a really depressing question. Uh, I think it will not. I, I hope and think it will not. There are a lot of very kind of after almost two decades, it's, it's entrenched, uh, in a way it's sort of burrowed its way into, uh, the American military and to the American, um, uh, uh, like political scene in a way that, that I think is, is, is going to be really hard to undo. Um, not to mention the fact that just logistically specifically, there are guys there who, um, it's, it's illegal to bring them to the United States and where else are they gonna go uh, so so that's a that's a that's a question there are very serious hurdles to overcome to to close this thing that said I, I do not think that it will be open in 2100 and that's maybe my own optimism <laughs> uh, um, because I do think that there are a lot of things about this place that really uh, that really run counter to these fundamental American values and I think I think it, it, you know, it'll take us longer than um, than it ought to have. But I think eventually uh, uh, th- this we will all realize, wait a second, this is out of step with everything we believe, everything we stand for and that uh, we need to close this thing. Um, and I think that I think that, yeah, it's, oh, it's such a <laughs> um,
0: that's the, that's the main <laughs> question yeah, I wanted yeah, to ask, yeah, because yeah, I'm yeah, unsure. I'm yeah. I, I'm unsure of the partisan nature of it, and if 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 they rounded up people last time, what if what if the next attack? You know, and there's always yeah, going to be a new group of people we want to imprison. Yeah. Regardless, uh, we got you for a couple more minutes. Is there anything that you'd yeah. like to say to people about Guantanamo Bay that they may not know? Um, yeah. To the people, of the future or to the present?
1: Sure. I think it's just a. It's it's to me it's a very very like. A, a, I was reporting this story as I was myself becoming a citizen. And it was a very difficult thing to, to come to terms with that this place that the, the ideals of which I so believe in and want to sign up for America,
0: not um, Guantanamo this, Bay,
1: America. Yeah. <laughs> this Place that this place, it, it, it had created, um, Uh, kind of a place within a place where none of those rules applied and where they didn't have to, where there was no due process, where there was no, uh, uh, you know, habeas corpus where there was no like where there was no right to um a lawyer where there was no right to these things that are 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 pretty there was no oversight there was no nothing um and to me that's a it's a very very difficult thing to accept and and by now it feels i think to most people it feels like a given and and i think it, it wasn't a given you know and this mm. could have gone so differently if you just uh, I,
0: just a little more thinking just a little bit more like planning and a little less fear could you could you could make a prison there there could be a prison there but also like don't torture them and yeah, stuff like that
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah there was when i talked to one of the former detainees uh he told me this kind of beautiful thing which is that he was like look like Like, this could have been done in a way where it was, you know, a beacon for the rest of the world, where this was, it's like, oh, this is how you treat prisoners of war in the 21st century. Like, this is the way that, you know, this is the way that this ought to go. Um, And instead... It was like it was like after the you know after the United States won the Cold War that after it One. got attacked and it had all this moral credibility and moral authority. Um, instead, what it did was it sort of turned its back on the rules. And so what it did is and, and and you know talking to so many different people, I'm thinking about it myself. Like it it in a way became this original sin for the 21st century. That like you're like oh wow we we made this error Uh, Mm. we made this we made this we took this course of action that was so out of step with 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 the values of this country and and in a way there have been all these ripple effects and it's gone on for so long almost 20 years now that it's sort of become a part of who we are and we have to kind of reckon with that and we have to um really learn from that because that's a I think it's a really serious lesson I think it's uh yeah it's something that it's something that I I, I think it, it will be a kind of a stain, a stain on this country. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and, you know, when people are looking back for, at, uh, in 2100, like I, I think it will it will be a stain. And, and I think that there is a like it, it's on us to make it right. Uh, that's that's mm-hmm. uh, that's the only thing we can do now.
0: Well, uh, our time has run. Uh, I want to thank you. Uh, if you have any any plugs, anything you'd like to say for the people to check you out. No,
1: I'm very grateful for your uh, your time and attention and, and for and, and check out the series. I yeah, guess
0: everybody so. should I check out the other Latif earth. and everyone should also be checking out Radiolab. Uh, if you like my podcast, there is no 2100 without Radiolab. Uh, it was great to have you on the show. Uh, so thank you for taking the time out and have a delightful pandemic. I hope it, it yeah. works out in favor for you. Uh, And I appreciate you coming on the show. Before I talk about America and Gitmo, I'd like to say two things that may bother some people. One... I'm extremely critical of governments and power structures because I don't think that the public should respect power. I believe that power is something that you need to keep in check as the public. And it's a two-way street, and the powers it be have to earn the public's trust. In my lifetime, the United States government has never been worth trusting, they've been nothing but incompetent. I was born in 1995, consider the things I've lived through, and then do a positive-negative analysis. You could do it on your own. True. I don't think anyone should be proud of anything that they themselves have not accomplished. Meaning, I'm not proud to be an American the same way I'm not proud to be tall, white, have a father named Jim, or to be from Pennsylvania or Bucks County or wherever. It's just not decided by me. It doesn't matter. I don't put stock or value in it. That doesn't mean that I'm anti-American or that I hate Pennsylvania. It just means that I'm not willing to maintain this smokescreen of American or tall superiority just based off of where i was born um i've been to places with better laws stronger communities who use their public resources better in my opinion and that's where a lot of my uh thought processes are based out of i think nationalism is bad and that community is good that all being said it is my opinion that america is a sundowning empire we were the kings of colonialism after we lashed out at the uk for doing colonialism. But the days of the colonies are over and America has neglected the festering wounds caused by its past oppressions causing the entire body of American culture to be infected. What does this have to do with Gitmo? Okay, so the big, big issue with Guantanamo Bay is that it's a prison where the American military could scoop up and store potential enemy combatants assumed to be threats to the United States. Following 9-11, America filled this 96-hour swamp prison with about 700 people. About 100 prisoners remain in 2020. These prisoners were mostly brown-skinned men living and working in the Middle East. Following 9-11, American forces would pay out bounties of $5,000 in American money or more in exchange for potential terrorists. Poor law enforcement offers and ambitious bounty hunters in the Middle East took advantage of the American military forces and their lack of understanding of the language, region, and culture, and took the bribes and sold people off. Rather than thoroughly vetting these potential terrorists, we did the early 2000s pre-social media thing and fooled them all the way to Cuba, and locked them up. In Cuba, they would receive no trial, no jury, and be given little representation. Once you get to Gitmo, it is essentially evidence that you should be at Gitmo. You have done something to get here, so you did something wrong, right? Like how did you get here? You must have done something wrong. Sounds a lot like the American prison and bail system, right? Either way, most of the men brought to prison at Guantanamo Bay were innocent. They were people at the wrong place at the wrong time, with the wrong skin tone and the wrong religion. Ponder this question. What happens when you have hundreds of innocent men mixed with terrorists in a secretive maximum security prison that was built in 96 hours? The innocent people went crazy, the terrorists became harder to spot and talk to, and the military... Tortured both innocent and guilty men. Waterboarding, sleep deprivation, beatings, and so on. Innocent men killed themselves and your tax dollars helped pay for it. Guantanamo Bay is a stain on America's reputation. A stain on America's reputation. A stain on America's reputation. You know what else is often referred to as a stain on America's reputation? The Japanese-American internment camps from World War II. After Pearl Harbor, the United States government proclaimed Japanese Americans were a threat and illegal, then rounded them up into camps, and of course those camps were shut down, and the people who made them were mighty embarrassed for taking away someone's human rights for no reason. Fort Sill was an army base used to intern Japanese Americans. In 2020, Fort Sill houses more than 1,000 migrant children. So, what's the point I'm trying to make? The point is... America lives in a culture of indifference. American culture is bonded together by a shared feeling of helplessness, whether it's unconscious, subconscious, or the main thing you think about. Why else wouldn't half the population vote in 2016? I can scream until I'm blue in the face about how Guantanamo Bay is a horrendous place, a dumb idea, and a breeding ground for terrorists. But in reality, each and every listener in the present already knows this. How they react depends on their worldviews from that point. You may see Gitmo as a necessary evil or as an unnecessary evil. But no one is denying that its existence is evil. Here's my prediction for 2100 at Guantanamo Bay. As long as the power of the American government is still in the hands of conservatives and neoliberals, the prison will stay open. The issue has become partisan. Obama managed to keep it open for 8 years while simultaneously saying he wanted it closed while Donald Trump and the conservative movement see it as a positive and they wanna keep it open. However, we're almost 20 years away from 9-11. The conversation about Guantanamo Bay is simmered to almost a shush. You heard Latif, some of the accused terrorists being illegally held at Gitmo are so old that they need to install wheelchair ramps. The American public is too defeated on this issue to care. As the years go on, Guantanamo Bay will become just another terrible thing that America does like internment camps, gerrymandering, voter suppression, housing segregation, the NSA, ICE, and its mass crusade of faceless armed conflicts throughout the world. But in 2100, Guantanamo Bay prison will not be standing. As climate change gets worse, the detainees will become older and die off, and the American government will grow tired of maintaining this cancer in Cuba. I will lay down a strong prediction that a hurricane will destroy that prison one day. It will be a glorious disaster, but it will happen. As far as what you can take away from this episode, it's that not every single story has a purpose. Like, Guantanamo Bay is 18 years old. It, it, it could vote if it was a person. And what we've been doing there was always illegal. So what am I supposed to teach you? We've they, they, it's, it's illegal. The, the whole... Point of it is to have an illegal prison where we can hold people without trial. Right now, it's Muslims, but when? When is it you? You know, that's that's my thought. Like it's been the, the Japanese internment camps. We've had we took all of this land from Native Americans and then enslaved Black people. Like what 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 group is going to remain untouched? And luckily, um, for the powers that be, this is a majority white country. And as long as non-white issues continue uh, to be the most grotesque, the white majority will never care. Which is depressing. This isn't in the script. This is kind of me thinking out loud, and I, I think I'm right. I think it's just think of the world ju- word jumble around Guantanamo Bay. Like, you think of the word jumble around, like, something positive that you like, like a carnival. You do a word jumble, you get clowns, you get uh, Ferris wheels, uh, children laughing. You do a word jumble for Guantanamo Bay and it's Al-Qaeda, 9-11, Cuba, the Middle East. It's just like a bunch of words that scare the living fuck out of the disengaged populace, which is the majority of Americans. Luckily, m- most of my listeners are in that disengaged public. They are people who do not vote, who do- likely do not care about Guantanamo Bay. And I, you should care about Guantanamo Bay, because it's an open admittance that the American government does not care about human rights. So... I guess that'll that'll be the end. Uh thank you and happy two thousand one hundred. And everybody check out Latif Nasser's uh six episode series called The Other Latif. Subscribe to Late Radio Lab. It is sincerely the best podcast out there. Uh once again, thank you and happy two thousand one hundred.
1: That Jazz